Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast 549 for August the 2nd, 2015. This week, we're going to do some uh, classic uh, type of show. We're going to look at a Star Trek episode, talk about the latest geeky things. Wait a second. Something's wrong with my audacity right. here. Uh, what is that? My computer's acting all wrong. What, what's going on? What, okay. what, you got it, Chris. Yeah, we're in. All right, cool. All right, hey guys, this is Kenny. This is Chris. And uh, we're going to interrupt your regularly broadcast Treks in Sci-Fi because we want to do something special. We want to do Treks in Fantasy. Yeah. I mean, we love Rico, we love Treks in Sci-Fi, and I love science fiction, but I'm also a huge fantasy lover. So, we're going to do Willow. Oh, yeah. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. All My all-time favorite fantasy movies, but one of my all-time favorite movies as well. It's a great movie. It's um, my, I watched it with the kids last night, and uh, well, my daughter. And they liked it, right? My daughter did. She sat and watched it. I think she didn't make it all the way through, but it, I did start it uh, fairly late. So yeah. it's a long, it's a longer movie than I remember. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. So uh, why don't you start by giving a description of the movie? If you haven't seen the movie, you should watch it before you listen to our podcast. But if you don't want to, we'll give you a nice uh, description of how everything played out for the movie. In Willow, it starts off with the evil queen, Bavmorda, and she's uh, she wields black magic to conquer the land and enslave its people. She fears the birth of a child with a peculiar birthmark because prophecies foretell that the child will bring about her downfall. Bavmorda imprisons all the expecting mothers, and the child of the prophecy is born. Is it a girl? Yes. Show me its arm. She bears the mark. No! no! The omen is true. I must tell my mother. Before Bavmorda has a chance to kill the baby girl, the midwife escapes with her. She sends the blessed baby downstream on a raft. The child washes up near a village inhabited by a race of dwarf-like people called the Nelwins. Don't go near it. We don't know where it's been. Dad, it's a baby. It's not like us. No, it's not an Elwin. Looks like a Daikini baby. What's a Daikini? Daikinis are big. Giants who live far away. <laughs> oh, she's so cute. Can't we keep it, Dada? No. We'll push it downstream and forget we ever saw it. By the way, that poor, um... That poor midwife gets chewed up by like those awful rat dog things. Yeah, very very yep. creepy. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is definitely a mark for um, or a point for CGI versus real. Even though you can tell that they're just dogs with the thing on it, still very with the mask on it. It's still pretty still good. Still creepy. Oh yeah. So um, Willow Uffgood, the farmer and amateur magician who finds the baby, is chosen by the town council to return the child to the world of the large people, or Daikini. My children found this baby alone by the river, Hi, Aldwin. A Daikini child. No. That's what the beasts want. Let's give it back to them. Yeah, give it back. They'll kill her, you can't. It isn't one of us. This child is special. This child must be taken beyond the boundaries of our village, all the way across the great river. 
to the Daikini Crossroads. Well, who'd do that? It seems only fair that the man to take this baby to the crossroads be the very man who plucked it out of the river. I nominate Willow Upgood. Against their better judgment, Willow and his friend Migosh entrust the baby to the first Daikini they meet, a renegade warrior named Mad Mardigan. Give me some water, you measly little pecs! It's Daikini. We're in luck. We can't give it to him. Somebody put him there for a reason. That's good. We gotta get rid of her. Those soldiers are after us. Shh. He's looking right at us. We gotta give that baby to somebody. I'm somebody. Let me out of here. I'll take care of the baby. <laughs> yes, and there's a whole um, actual little... Uh, what do you want? Uh, like a party of them that come out, and yes. Willow's, I guess his landlord or whatever he is, is like the. He's just a bully. He's like they go. He's bully. a jerk. He makes fun of Willow's yeah. magic, you know. And, yeah. Because uh, Willow wants before this happens, Willow wants to be a, the wizard or be an apprentice of the wizard. The and there's a whole yep. like contest. And he's, he's doing his tricks, and the guy's like, "Ah, shit, enough, blah blah blah," because he's making his <laughs> pig disappear, right? Yeah. And yes. um. And there's a band playing, and the cool thing, I mean, I know we're getting off topic, but the cool there's a uh, Star Wars guy in the band named Kenny Baker, who you may notice. Oh, that's Man, right. So there's a couple Star right. Wars I forgot people. about that. Yes. That's very cool. So, anyway, so they find this Mad Mardigan guy, and he's in a, he's in a cage. He's clearly done. He's ticked off somebody. Nobody's going to take care of that baby. You know why? Nobody cares. Except me. You want to go back to your families. I want out of this cage. Let me take care of that baby. I'll look after her like she was my own. I believe you would, Willow. He doesn't know anything about babies. Right, but I know a lot of women who do. If I had somebody in my life, a little daughter perhaps, I might have a reason to go on living. You can't leave me in here to die. Not when all I want to do is protect her. So, uh, on their way home, Willow and Migosh are attacked by a clan of brownies who have stolen the baby from Mad Mardigan. Hmm. The brownie fairy queen of the forest, Salindria, tells Willow that he has been chosen to protect the baby, whose name just happens to be Alora Dana. Salindria gives Willow a magic wand and directs him to ask the sorceress Finrizel for help. Welcome to my kingdom. I am so happy to meet you, Willow of Good. How do you know my name? Elora Dementor. Elora. Elora Willow's here. But she's just a baby. She's very special. My brownies have been searching for her ever since we heard she was born. Elora Dana has chosen you to be her guardian. Me? Yes. She likes you. And 
Elora Danon knows you have the courage to help us. Take my wand, the sorceress Finrazel. She will guide you and Elora Danon to the kingdom of Tiraz Lean, where a good king and queen will look after her. You need a warrior for a job like this. I'm a nobody. Elora, you don't want me. Tell her. I'm sure, even for Nelwyn. Elora Dannon must survive. She must fulfill her destiny and bring about the downfall of Queen Babuorda, whose powers are growing like an evil plague. Unless she is stopped, Babuorda will control the lives of your village, your children, everyone. All creatures of good heart need your help, Willow. Choice is yours. Selindria sends along two brownies as guides, Frangine and Rule. Willow's party bumps into Mad Mardigan, who helps them in a few close calls with Sorsha, Badmorda's daughter. Willow and the rest of the group finally meet Rizel, only to find that the sorceress has been turned into a rodent by the evil queen. I'm Willow Ufgood. What are you doing here? I've come to find the great sorceress, Finn Rizel. That's me, not Rizel. This can't be right. One of Bevorda's spells transformed me. Believe me, it could have been worse. Well, this wand is for you. It's from Sherlindria. Then the prophecy is true. The princess has been born. Take me to her. I like the breath. I stole the baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kevin Pollack. He's he does it. Ah, he, uh, he's amazing. He does a great uh, Shatner impression, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorsha captures Willow and his associates. They start a long trek to Nakmar Castle, Bavmorda's stronghold. Willow attempts to use magic to return Rizel to her human form, but fails. He turns her into a crow. That's really gross, by the way. She comes comes yes. out like a fur ball. It's cool special effects. Yes. Um, meanwhile, Mad Mardigan and the Brownies manage to escape. While Mad Mardigan, under the influence of the Brownies' love potion, becomes temporarily infatuated with Sorsha. One move, jackass, and you really will be a woman. You are my sun, my moon, my starlit sky. Without you, I dwell in darkness. I love you. What are you doing here? Your power has enchanted me. I stand helpless against it. Come to me now. Tonight, let me worship you in my arms. Get away from me! I love you. Stop saying that! I stop the beating of my heart. It pounds like never before. Out of fear. Out of love. I can stop it. I'll kill you. 
Death next to love is a trivial thing. Your touch is worth a hundred thousand deaths. Uh, Willow and the group escape from Sorsha's control and make a hasty retreat with stolen horses. The group eventually finds the castle of Tirazlin, where Shalindria told them that they would find protection from Bavmorda. But the castle is under Bavmorda's spell, and all of its inhabitants are frozen in ice. Madmardigan, refusing to give up hope, prepares for Sorsha's attack, while Willow once again fails to transform Rizel into human form. Yep, he turns her into a goat. Yeah, time. he needs to not use that wand, really. <laughs> Sorsha and her army arrives, but so does the army of Galandorn, led by Mad Mardigan's old friend Eric Thaber. During the ensuing battle, Sorsha falls in love with Mad Mardigan and changes sides. Nokmar's General Kel, however, captures Alora and takes her to Nokmar. Willow, Mad Morrigan, Sorsha, the Brownies, the Sorceress, Finn Rizal, now in the shape of a goat, as I mentioned, <laughs> and what's left of Eric's army set up camp, preparing to storm Nokmar Castle to rescue Alora. Willow finally returns Rizal to her true form, and the Sorceress puts a spell on the camp to protect them from Bavmorda's magic. The battle at Nokmar begins the next day. Willow manages to save Alora at the last moment from Bavmorda's murderous ritual, and Badmorda is destroyed, in part by her own magic. You stupid hag! With my magic, I'll send her into the... Into a... <laughs> You're no sorcerer! Into a realm where evil cannot touch her! Impossible! There's no such place! Helderfell, Swatben Helderfell! I shall destroy you and the child with you. Bear of Goodbye, Laura. baby in the caring arms of Mad Mardigan and Sorsha, Willow returns happily to his village and his family with a gift from Rizal, a book of magic to study. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, I mean, that's pretty um, pretty good uh, description. Yeah. It's, not, it's not hitting all the... There's a, there's a bunch no, of... No, but we'll talk. We'll discuss it. We're going to go over... We have some basic information, and we have some really cool behind the scenes, and then we can go into our thoughts on the movie and favorite scenes and stuff like that, and we'll get a little bit more detailed into it. Yes. All right, so I'll start off with the basic information. The movie is rated PG with a running time, this is something Chris mentioned, of two hours and six minutes. It's a long movie. Yeah, definitely. For especially back in the day. Yeah, it's like I said, I kind of popped it in like, I don't know, maybe like at 8 o'clock. I was like, ah, it's probably an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, it'll be a quick watch and then I can, you know get on with the rest of my life or whatever. And <laughs> my daughter was interested in it because, you know, she's into – fantasy she's like fantasy, fairies yeah. and things like that so i mean she was 
very interested in it, but yeah, she couldn't make it till ten, ten oh six yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. So it definitely yeah. is a long. It's a longer movie. It is a longer movie. Um, it's produced by MGM in association with Lucasfilm and Imagine Film Entertainment. Huh. Do you think this goes yeah. with the Disney deal? <laughs> oh, you know what? It probably does if it's owned by. Well, MGM is no longer around, so. Lucas, yeah, I don't know who owns the rights to this movie because there's been talk of remaking it hmm. or making sequels to it, like the books, like the yeah, which we will discuss uh, right. later. Mm. Um, well, filming started in April of 1987 and ended in October of that same year. It was released on May 20th, 1988, and the director is well known, Ron Howard. This is one of his first movies he directed. Opie Cunningham. That's right, Opie Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Eddie Murphy uh, SNL oh, thing. That's funny. Ron Howard, I think before this, probably had done uh, Night Shift and maybe um, and Splash. Yes. Yep. Which is one Those of which is an, uh, which is a great movie. Splash. That is another one we can talk about. Yeah, that can definitely fit into our Trucks and Fantasy. <laughs> um, okay, so the story is by George Lucas, which does surprise some people. And the screenplay is by Bob Dolman. The movie was a moderate success. Uh, it had opening weekend gross of $8,300,169. It was screened in 1,024 movie theaters. Uh, at the end of its run, domestically, it grossed $57,269,863, which isn't bad for back in the you know late 80s. Yeah, I think that's like it says moderate hit, you know. It's probably like I don't know Lost Boys kind of money, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean 57 57 million now is like opening weekend for a big <laughs> yeah, blockbuster. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you don't you didn't pay $11 to get into the movies. Yeah. Back then, that's you true. know, I remember going to $3 matinees. Yeah, 11. I don't know where you're going to the movies at, but out here they're 14, 17. Well, it depends. I think if I don't tend to buy go to 3D showings, so. But oh, yeah, if yeah. I go to Orlando, yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. Because when I was up in Orlando uh, for work, and I went to the movies a, few, a couple nights when I was up there, yeah, it was about thirteen bucks. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, and it, it, can get, it, gets, it gets pricey. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't mind it as long as the you know the screen is good, the sound is good. I get really irritated when I go to the movies and it's like a crummy screen and the sound. Sucks. Oh yeah, it's like what am I paying yeah. for? I just... If you're gonna pay that much money, yeah, I mean, I I normally if I pay fifteen to sixteen dollars, I get assigned seating. Huh. So I know I don't have to wait in line. I know exactly where I'm going. And normally assigned seating, and I know you're a father, but it doesn't – normally people don't bring kids to those more expensive kind of theaters. Right. So it's less kids in the audience, which is a good thing sometimes. Oh, I agree with you. I hate when people bring their kids to movies they don't belong in. <laughs> I would never bring my kid to um, something like that, something like where it's like a, a, like you know, like in Austin or they have those theaters where you can eat dinner and – yeah, you know, it's like if you're taxed, they like kick your butt out of the theater, which I love. Oh yeah, um, yeah, we're supposed to get one of those out here in L.A. Yeah, so we'll see. There's always those inconsiderate people that bring babies to theaters. Like, get, I mean, and yeah. I mean, I'm a yeah. parent, so I'm even more like, you know, I had to sit my butt at home <laughs> instead of going to see movies on opening weekend because I had a kid or whatever. I mean, you know, I mean. Yeah. Sacrifice. Get a babysitter. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm definitely get what you're saying like with with the yeah. with the assigned seating. It it's just and the kids in theaters. I mean, this is a, this is a movie for kids, I think. I remember um going This is definitely a movie. I remember for going kids. to see yes. it. And and really um Yeah, I mean, for kids even some of the stuff in this is pretty uh 
pretty rough. I think it was. Oh, when you have the two-headed dragon or, thing, or yeah. the way the bad guy dies, like falling on his sword, it's pretty gross. I mean, like yeah, or the trolls. Oh, I, mean, I hate those stupid trolls. There's quite a bit of stuff. Yeah. yeah, quite a bit of stuff in here. So let's see who's in this movie. Yeah, so, Neil start us off. Warwick Davis, who um, love him. Uh, you may know from an Idiot Abroad season three, but I know him from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> He's an interesting guy, and he had also a really fun little series that was on HBO called Life's Too Short. I thought that was... Yep, I enjoyed that, I too. did. I, I liked it. I liked him, yeah. and it, I liked his character, which was very vain and, you know, yeah. self-absorbed, yeah. and I loved the cameos. I loved um, Liam Neeson's cameo. was one of the funniest yep. things I've ever seen on TV. It That's some good makes stuff. Me... Yeah, I actually got his book. Oh. He just did an autobiography. Oh, really? Yeah, you can buy it online on his website, and he'll sign it for you, which was fantastic. Oh, I, I really, yeah, it's very I cool. find him. It's called Life is Short. I find him an interesting character, and the cool thing about that show, one more note on it, is that Val Kilmer does a cameo because, of course, they know each other from, from Willow. Willow. That's right. And of course, nobody ever, whenever he brings up Willow, everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> I know. I was talking to a friend earlier today, and she had no idea what I was talking about when I was telling her we were doing this podcast. And um, And it it hurt my heart. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, come on! You have to know the." I mean, because this movie is it's 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 so good, and you know, and it's for me. uh, You know, I'll I'll save my thoughts. I'll save it until later. We'll talk. But uh, Val Kilmer does a thing where he puts like a Batman mask on. So like he's like, I love to do this to people, and he puts the Batman mask on. You know, because he was Batman in one movie. Yeah. And he goes yep. up to, you know, Warwick's, um, or Warwick, as they say in England, his um, <laughs> secretary, and sort uh-huh. of, and then, you know, Warwick is like, well, who who is this? And she's, he's, you know, Val Kilmer has got the, she's like, is it Christian Bale? <laughs> is it, <laughs> is it George Clooney? You know, basically going through everybody but Val Kilmer. It was pretty, That's awesome. it was pretty funny. And uh, Val Kilmer was really, uh, came across as like an odd guy in that show, but obviously playing a weird version of himself. Uh, yeah. Gal Kilmer, as I just said, plays Mad Mardigan. And one of my uh, favorite actors of the era, certainly yeah. he had a great bunch of movies that he was in, I think from the mid eighties through like the mid nineties. I mean, he was Nin- yeah. all over, Yeah, you know, one of his best roles, I think was his doc holiday and uh, tombstone. I think tombstone, people love yeah. that. I think that was just a, I don't know if he won. I guess he didn't win an Oscar. I don't even know if he was nominated. Maybe he was, but definitely a, a wonderful uh, performance. And he's a great actor. I, I love him, and he's he, he's really he's a good character actor. He really gets into his. And roles. He's you know very he's very handsome, good looking guy. Yep. You know, I mean not That's true. not anymore, I guess. But I mean, he's just older. He's older. Yes, everybody. Ages. He's gained a little bit of weight, but yeah, unfortunate. But yes. I mean, like he said, it does happen. Yeah, but um. Anyway, he's great. Uh, he played his character in this is Mad Mardigan, and he's a fun character. So good, yeah. He's a really Han Solo-y kind of guy. Um, yep. Fun character. Uh, jo- yeah. Joanne Wally minus the Kilmer <laughs> as Sorcha. Yes, I believe they this met is, on. The, this is where they that's met, right? Uh, yeah, they met, got married, and now they're divorced. Yes. Well, what a shock. <laughs> Jean Marsh as Queen Bath Morda. Um, she's awesome. Yes. As Chris said, she just has the best face. Yeah, she's expression got when very. She does, when she does spells, man. Patricia Hayes as Finn Rizel. Now, I haven't kind of researched her, but I know I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. I think. Was she in Cocoon? Possibly another Ron Howard movie? I think she. Another Ron? Yeah, that's a. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
she looked familiar to me and I just I think she's more of like a character actress uh-huh. so she's kind of like in a lot of things yes um, which is very cool Cocoon's a great movie ah uh, that's another one that's more sci-fi though yes that is a great because movie because it deals with aliens but it's touching you know it's funny yeah oh no it's very sweet I love that movie the, the great Billy Barty uh, as High Aldwin and he had a great he has a great voice I love Billy Barty's yep. voice um, it just, it, and it's like once he talks, you're like, oh, I'm in a fantasy movie now. I mean, yep. <laughs> I believe he was a, a voiced in, in the Hobbit, or either the Hobbit animated or Lord of the Rings. I know he was in. He did, yes, he was in the Hobbit animated. Yes. Yeah. David Steinberg as Migosh, um, Maria Halvo as Shalindria. Who is this kind of floaty fairy lady? She's like the queen of the fairies. Uh, she hasn't. Yeah. She didn't do very much. I, I looked at her. No, she's in the one scene. Yeah. That's a really cool scene because I'm huge into really. That to me is like fantasy, high fantasy. Yes, it's fairies and stuff like that. So that was a fun scene. Rick Overton as Frangine or Franjean, and yep. Kevin Pollock as Rule. Rule, who is amazing. Yes, so funny. He really. It, he's a. I, like I said, I love Kevin Pollack. I've enjoyed him in just about everything that I've seen him in. This is one of his earlier films, too. Yeah. Oh, so I was looking at Finn Rizal, the actress. She was in Neverending Story. Yep. She was She go. was in all kinds of... She's in a bunch of things. Like I said, I think she's a really good character actress. Yeah. Fish Called Wanda. Wow, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's also one more actor. The guy plays Eric. Um, oh, yeah. Who I'm watching the movie last night, and I'm like... This guy looks so familiar. He looks like uh, Jake Busey, but that couldn't be Jake Busey because this is like 30-something years ago. And then I realized it was the guy that played um, (laughs) uh, Clark Kent's uh, sort of bully nemesis in Superman 3 who was married to his girlfriend Lana Lang. Uh, his name, an actor named Gavin O'Hurley, and if you look him up, he's done a bunch of like, you know, parts. Wow. Yeah. So he was. I'm like, why does this guy look so familiar? Oh, he was Brad from Superman Three, who got drunk with um, Richard Pryor with the big hat and everything. Okay. That's funny. I haven't seen Superman Three in many, many years. It's, you don't. So. You don't really have to. It's really worth watching for <laughs> for one scene, and that's where Superman fights bad Superman in the junkyard. Yeah. And that's about it. And and then I guess for Richard Pryor <laughs> getting drunk, which is very. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's got a pretty that's solid cool. cast. I mean, you know. Definitely. Especially back in the day. Some of these people were really hot items. Yeah. Val Kilmer at the, at the time. I mean, he was right around top after Top Gun, I think. For mm-hmm. So, and uh, Real Gene. Warwick Davis just did Return of the Jedi. Mm. So He's a little he young was... to have all those kids, though. <laughs> and he's only, he's, he's only, well, I think it's in our, one of our notes. He's like 18 years old when you film this. Yes. So, yeah, he was young to have the, that many kids. <laughs> that, that, especially them being that old. I was, I was but. actually was thinking about it. I was watching. I'm like, you know, I remember a picture of him from filming Return of the Jedi when he was like, basically like a little kid. Yeah. Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I think because I mean we're about. I think I'm. No, he's a little bit old. He's a little bit older than me. Well, a lot older yeah. than me actually. Because in when this what year was this movie out? Uh, this came out in '88. So I was 14. So I was 18. Yeah. So I was his age. He's my age. Yeah. So okay. So don't say he's a lot older than you, because that would be mean. I'm a lot older than uh, you. four years when you're 14 is a lot. <laughs> no, it's true. You're right. You no, know, it's like 10. Yeah. I was an adult. You were still a teenager. Mad Mardigan way. Go home, Willow. It's a dangerous world. Yeah, and that's why we need your help. My help? 
What do you need my help for? You're a sorcerer. You're a great warrior and a swordsman. And you're ten times bigger than I am, stupid. Are you trying to make my life more difficult than it already is? <gasps> Sorry I got angry. We wouldn't have escaped without you. Well, <clears throat> don't expect me to help you again. Good! Then we go that way, to the lake! You are drunk, and when you are drunk, you forget that I you am in charge. in charge. Fine, then which way do we go? That way! Oh, no! That's the way I'm going. All right, all right, you can follow me as far as the lake, but that's it. You're not going south, are you? No, no, just as far as the lake. Good. Mumbo, Jumbo. I am hungry. Go get me some eggs or something. We are not afraid of you. Now! So this movie won quite a few awards. It was nominated for an Oscar in 1989 for Best Sound Effects, Editing, and Best Visual Effects, hmm. which most sci-fi movies that are popular, those are the two categories that they get nominated in. It's never acting or writing. It's always the special effects and sound effects and stuff like that. Um, but it did win a Saturn Award in 1990 for Best Costumes. It also was nominated for Best Fantasy Film, Best Supporting Actress for Gene Marsh, Best Performance of the Younger Actor for Warwick Davis, and a, uh, Best Special Effects. Hmm. So that's not too bad. Yeah. And uh, the sound design, by the way, Ben Burt. <laughs> did he do that one yeah, too? Yeah, so you... Oh, wow. Well, when you hear that Wilhelm scream, and that was used... Oh, of course, yes. Uh, ju- That's in everything. It was used judiciously in this movie a few times. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a Lucasfilm guy. And, you know, we, we can thank Ben Burt for all of the sounds that we know and love from Star Wars. He created most of them. Yeah, he did. So... Yep. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also nominated for a Hugo Award in 1990 for Best Dramatic Presentation. It was nominated for a Young Artist Award in 1989 for Best Family Motion Picture, Drama, and Best Young Actor in a Motion Picture, Drama, for Warwick Davis. But not all the awards were great. It also was nominated for a Razzie in 1989 for Worst Supporting Actor, Billy Barty, and Worst Screenplay. Oh, that's just... That's, yeah. that's mean. But the Razzies that's are mean anyway. That's just mean. Yes. By the way, the um, also the score was done by James Horner, who's great. Uh, it's another well-known person, mm-hmm. yeah. And he in, d- and in, the, in the sci-fi world really had two great themes. I think the opening theme is very memorable, and also like that heroic theme is also it's great. It's, I like the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, I really do enjoy the soundtrack. And you know, it's got a lot of the James Hornerisms. I know if you're into movie music like I am, you know that James Horner uses a lot of the same sort of motifs. They call it a motif, like his three-note danger mm-hmm. motif, which is da 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 da. You hear that a lot. Yeah. And some metal, he come off, yeah, just probably come off doing Aliens, so you hear some of the metal uh, clanking like he used on that score. You know, he tends to, like, carry over from one movie to another with what he used, but I, I think he's, I, I love his scores, so. Huh. Oh, yeah, me too. Hither, Woha, Van, Drew, Bordak, Belenoct, 
magic? Smells terrible. It's the life spark. It forms after. Well, it stinks. This whole thing stinks. Ignore him, Willow. He's a fool. If only I had a sword. <sighs> if only you quit talking about it. Willow, you must transform me to my human self. But, Rizal, I'm not ready yet. You'd better be. Get me down. <sighs> Why don't you help me get out of here instead of chattering with that muskrat? Muskrat! When I change back to my former self, I will crush this army and take Alora Dannon to Tirasleen, where she will be safe. Ow! What you bite me for? You need three drops of your blood to put in the potion. Well, you could have warned me. For beginners, there's some pain. Don't let anything break your concentration. Hither, Green and Ben, Clyde Lunenocht. Hello, everybody! We have arrived! You are saved! Shh! Don't interrupt. Hither, Green and Ben, Clyde Lunenocht. Hither, Green and Ben, What are you going to look like if this works? Don't interrupt! Sorry. Hither green and band, Clyde Blunenocht. I am a young, beautiful woman. Concentrate, Willow. Hither green and band, Clyde Blunenocht. Hither green and band, Clyde Blunenocht. Hither green and band, Clyde Blunenocht. You all right? Nice try, Willow. <laughs> So, behind the scenes stuff. Yes, got lots of stuff. Yeah, so George Lucas uh, specifically wrote this film for Warwick Davis after meeting him on the set of Return of the Jedi, which is cool. I mean, you know, we kind of forget that George Lucas, I mean, I, I think that knowing. We'll, we'll get into I think we'll get into our commentary. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for later. I'm just going to go. Okay. Into <laughs> You're like me. You want to say stuff? Yeah. You're like, no, no, no. Uh, no. We'll, it's, we'll, a, we'll it's a bigger discussion yes, for this. It the, is, and I want to get for to the, the end of the podcast. To the next point. Yeah. So yeah. the large that large group of pigs that uh, the army was turned into uh, outside the castle continuously <laughs> tried mating. <laughs> um, buckets of cold water where you separate them. So cold water works even for pigs, <laughs> which is great because you know. I've certainly yeah. had to use it myself. Oh, many times. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, writer George Lucas continued Willow's story in books rather than in movie sequels. The three books were collectively known as The Chronicles of the Shadow War and share a writer's credit for Chris Claremont and Lucas. They are Shadow Moon, which came out in 1995, Shadow Dawn in 96, and Shadow Star in 2000. Yeah. You know what? For me, I was, I, was the, I was a huge Willow fan, and I didn't know these books existed probably until about four years ago. Yeah, I've had them on my bookshelf. Um, Shadow Moon I've owned since it came out in paperback. Uh-huh. I've never read it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, they're out of print now. They're hard to find. Yeah. Um, so from what I understand from people that have read them, that they're very good. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. Chris so. Claremont, um, 
is one is a is a well known comic book writer. Any anything that you like about the X Men, he probably had a lot to do with because he oh, he wrote cool. X Men pretty much from the late seventies through I think ninety two. He wrote that he was the X Men guy for a very he might be even longer for a very very long time. Yeah. So like. You know, that's when I see Chris Claremont, I'm like, oh, yeah, X-Men. That's all I think about. But I, I, I imagine that it's a, I should probably read it. I haven't. I've actually kind of threatened to read it every now and then. But um, No, I definitely want to read it. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. It certainly would be interesting to see where the universe of this movie continues on. Yes, I'd love to go back into that world. Mm-hmm. So definitely have to check it out. Um, Joanne Wally accidentally stuck her sword in a stuntman's foot while sticking the sword into the ground at the tavern. <laughs> ah, probably wasn't a good idea. That'd be my luck. <laughs> what, doing the sticking or being stuck? Either one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Val Kilmer apparently uh, ad-libbed a lot of his dialogue, which I did not know. I'm sure the script supervisor loved that. Um, it probably, I imagine he'd probably, a lot of it when he was in the dress with the... <laughs> yes, yeah, the more comedic stuff. Yeah. He probably ad And when he was getting out of his crow cage between takes, the chain snapped and the cage came down in his foot. The limp that resulted from this is evident during the scene in which Mad Mardigan and Willow arrive opposite Finn Rizal's island. Hmm. Yep. Very interesting... Uh little tidbits that you don't realize. But then you go back and you watch it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I see it. Uh, the devil dogs were actually Rottweilers in rubber masks and suits. Hmm, creepy. And as we mentioned before, they, even though you know they're, you know, it's fake face, it's still very effective. Well, it's always going to be a little bit more effective to have a, a, something that you can, you can kind of... A practical effect. Yeah, like you know that is really there, yeah. that you can kind of, you know, say, oh, I, that would be awful if that was chasing me. Because, yeah. you know, even though, like, they we've seen really cool CG monsters, and a lot of times they're done great, we still kind of, in our head, we go, well, I mean, I don't need to be afraid of the T-Rex, because I know it's some it's guy, real. And, uh, yeah. the computer made it, but. Yeah. Yeah. But that's. That's a that's my I'll go that would be my rant until the day I die. Things were better in the age. We had to strap crap to dogs for monsters. <laughs> so the earlier drafts of the screenplay contained more background information on the characters Mad Mardigan and Sorsha. And that's interesting because if there is one um, criticism I could have is that you know there's not a lot of background given on yes. characters they just sort of yeah. show up and are like oh okay so mad mardigan was originally a knight of the kingdom of galadorn the kingdom that general kale mentions having destroyed to queen Bavmorda, and that the character eric was the only real friend he had but mad mardigan's recklessness got him into trouble as did his love affair with an eastern beauty that had tainted the family name mad mardigan had a chance to regain his honor in battle but he ruined the chance by deserting this explains some of the bitter antagonism between Mad Mardigan and Eric. Sorsha was originally the daughter of the king of Tirazlin, who was a good man. He is, in fact, the regal old man seen at the end after the fall of Bavmorda and Tirazlin is restored and can briefly be seen in stone. This suggested that Sorsha had the capability to be good. During the battle at Tirazlin between Bavmorda's troops, Mad Mardigan, the monster, and the monster, Sorsha encountered her father, and she struggled through the stone to ask her for help. 
which prompted Sorsha to switch alliances from her evil mother to the good side. All this was lost in the final film, but does appear in a novelization as well as the comic book miniseries by Marvel. So that's interesting. I kind of was trying to figure out, like, it really is, you know, like, you kind of get in some passing dialogue that he deserted or whatever, and you kind of go, well... Yeah, for Matt Morgan, yeah, you kind of get that you didn't really need this whole story, but it does enhance his background. But for her to switch like she does, you're kind of like, you know, I know that Matt, you know, that Val Kilmer's, you know dreamy but yeah. you know i mean yeah, you know yeah, yeah. but if it was yeah. really her mother would you be like but she's so evil yeah i mean you don't realize that that you know she was taken so that that makes a, a, her character i think loses something without that extra stuff yeah yeah okay but it's cool that it's still in the novelization and in the comic book which i do own both of those so hmm. yeah so after meeting on set oh we mentioned this after meeting on set of the film val kilmer and joanne wally were married but then later unfortunately divorced it's so odd in Hollywood for that to happen, you know. Oh yes, it's so rare. <laughs> you know, normally those marriages are set in stone. Yes, yes. everybody's a regular Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Warwick uh, Davis wore a wig for the movie. The long hair is not his own. That's a good wig. I didn't know. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, uh, this was the first feature film to use the morphing process developed by ILM. And it's you know. You know, it's kind of old hat for us, but, you know, when you, yeah. when you watch it even, you're kind of like, well, it's like not the best effect. You know, but but I was thinking that it's probably one of the better effects in the movie. Yeah, definitely, because this movie has some... Oh, yeah. Some, I mean, and I, you know, uh, we'll discuss it yeah. later, but, you know. It, def- yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, definitely... it is definitely notable for that sort of like Wrath of Khan or is notable for the first CG sequence in a live action movie and... yeah. Um, yep. So that's interesting. Uh, Warwick Davis's future father-in-law and wife appear as Nelwins. Oh, that's fun. That's nice. Yeah, see, he he found love too. On everybody's <laughs> everybody's finding love in this movie. Yeah. According to the press kit and subsequent novels, the two-headed dragon was named Eborsisk, a reference to the movie critic uh, Gene Siskel and Ro- Roger Ebert. The word does not occur in the film, but made it into some of the reviews. Oh, yeah, those lousy critics. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I never really liked them that much. Uh, the six-month-old twins playing Alora Denon uh, were too young to have a full head of hair. They wear a wig, which was applied using syrup, as a normal wig adhesive would be too harsh for the baby skin. Boy, that baby, those babies made some faces. I mean, oh, yes. adorable. Adorable, yeah. but I mean, like the fact yeah, I that love, I didn't, I had no idea that that was fake hair. No, but it was so great when like the the kid making these like you know like faces, like what's up with this guy face? I'm like, how did they get a baby to do that? <laughs> I couldn't even get my kid to sit up. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. In preparation for the movie, Warwick Davis had to learn a modified accent, how to take care of a baby, how to ride a horse, and how wow how to sword fight. And how to perform magic. So he learned a lot in this movie. He learned how to 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 perform real. Oh, like the tra- yeah, <laughs> you know, like the, the vanishing pig. Okay, that one. I thought. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they were no, not, not not the turning the apple into a bird. Oh, that's not as impressive. <laughs> so Ron Howard's wife and Warwick Davis's sister both appear as extras atop snowy mountaintop village. That, you know, where they ride their sled into. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. 
Willow originally said goodbye to Laura Dannon when handing her over to Mad Mardigan. During editing, it was realized that Willow wouldn't have known the name yet, and so it was redubbed Goodbye Little One. Oh. Yep. The, char- <laughs> the character of the evil General Kale is said to be named after film critic Pauline Kale. A lot of people don't like her. <laughs> and yeah. he's got a really, uh, he's a Darth Vader-y guy with a skull mask. Yes, yes, very much. A 13-pound animatronic baby capable of moving its head and opening its mouth was used for the action scenes. This baby weighed more than the actual baby, and more flexible baby prop was used in scenes where Willow falls with it. Yeah, you know what they say, never work with animals or animatronic babies. (laughs) (laughs) So during the close-up shots of the scene where Mad Mardigan and the soldier are being dragged behind the wagon, Val Kilmer was kneeling on a pedestal behind the wagon while a stunt double was dragged behind, letting the stuntman's legs take the beating. Apparently, Val Kilmer's legs are just too damn valuable. (laughs) Have you seen his gams? They're great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) John Cusack tested for the role as Mad Mardigan, but lost to Val Kilmer. He considers this his biggest disappointment. That's interesting. I, I wouldn't have... I don't think. Val- oh no, I cannot imagine John Cusack as Mad Mardigan. No, I mean it's not. I've never even. I don't know if he's ever done anything similar to. I don't think he has. Um, It'd be a totally different movie. It'd feel weird. I just, you know, I, I always kind of think of him as the guy from Better Off Dead. So you yeah, know, that's what it, he will always be to me. You're right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard yep. for me to see him like swashbuckling you know? <laughs> with a long hair. Yeah, <laughs> it would look weird on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So the original wand was a real piece of wood. Eventually, they feared it could break and replace it with fiberglass props. Hmm, that would be cool. I've been looking for. I would love to have that kind of wand. It's really cool. Yeah, it's like gnarled up, and you know, I'm surprised you never saw like a Harry Potter world wand yeah. that was a little bit more like kind of screwy Louie like that. Because they're, yeah. you know, even I mean, Hermione's is kind of cool. It's got like roots and stuff on it. There's a few, yeah. There's a few of them out there that look kind of gnarled, but not like that one. No, that's that's pretty. That's a definite. That's like someone picked up a twig and made it magical. <laughs> yes. So, um, Chris actually mentioned this earlier. Kenny Baker, who is famous for being R two D two, played a Nelwyn musician, as did his longtime comedy partner Jack Purvis. Yeah, Kenny Baker also is in the new Star Wars movie. Can't wait. Six months away. Yay. So Rick Overton and Kevin Pollack's scenes were done against blue screen. Really? I thought they shrunk them. (laughs) Um, And sound stages (laughs) added into the scenes with full-size characters in post-production editing. Little dodge. Some of those are a little dodgy. We'll discuss that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned this as well. Warwick Davis was only 18 years old during the shooting of Willow. He just a little baby. Yeah, just a kid. Yep. David Steinberg, the actor playing Migosh, slammed into the side of an ice rink while ice skating during production and cut his eyebrow open. The stitches were concealed with makeup for the scene where Migosh makes his departure for home. Forgot to mention one of the other uh, Nelwyn guys. Mm-hmm. He was in Bad Santa. He was the uh, elf that helps. Uh, oh yes, the the black gentleman. Yes, he helps. Yes. he's he's a. Uh, that's one of my favorite. Oh my! He's a well-known actor too. I, that movie actor. makes me laugh, and it shouldn't make me laugh because it's. I say I won't. I refuse to watch it just because I don't don't like those type of movies. Well, but... good lord! I mean, I you know what happened? We were um, wrapping presents uh, Christmas Eve last year, 
And we had we had been in Christmas movie like hell, you know, because like the kids, that's all they want to watch is like Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I love Christmas. I love Christmas movies. Uh, Elf is great. Christmas Story, Charlie Brown, Scrooge. I I love them. But after a while, you're like, oh, I'm just sick of it. And I was going through Netflix. <laughs> we were in our bedroom, kind of finishing up the getting Christmas Eve stuff ready. And I said, Bad Santa. I never watched it. And it's so anti everything that we've been watching that just really you just really enjoyed it. I yeah. did because it was like a nice uh, palate cleanser to all the gooey happiness. Um, the happy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Warwick Davis is only twelve years older than Don Downing, who plays his daughter, and only ten years older than Mark Vanderbrake, who played his son. That's a as we cute mentioned, cute kids. Was, uh, yeah. Oh, they were adorable. Yeah. Yes, I love when they say data. Huh. Data. 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 Although Val Kilmer has first billing, Warwick Davis plays the title role and has the most screen time. But let's face it, Val Kilmer had become a bit of a name. So I know it still bothers me because. Well, this was the time, though. Remember who got first billing in Batman? That's true. No, I mean I I get it, but still. Jack Nicholson. It's not. It's not right. It is. Well, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but then I mean, again, Man a big part of this movie. But yeah, but the movie. I guess if you're looking at Batman, I mean the joke. It's really two. There's. I think the Joker gets more screen leads. time than Batman. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. On the official movie poster, the wind is blowing simultaneously both left and right, as evidenced by the character's hair. Hey, I'm from Florida, and we have hurricanes, and that crap can happen. <laughs> in order to obtain a PG certificate by the BBFC in the UK, 34 seconds were edited for the theatrical version. The footage included the hounds attacking the midwife, which is, yeah, awful. Yeah. The more graphic moments in the scene where a troll morphs into a two-headed dragon. That was very gross. <laughs> scenes of bloody fighting and scenes of Bavmorda turning people into pigs. Uh, the distributors also reduced the redness of the blood on Rizal's face. That's weird. Um, and toned down certain sound effects. Subsequent video releases were passed uncut with a PG, as the BBFC believed that the content in question would have less of an impact at home than in a cinema. That's such a weird. It is. Kind it of is kind of weird when, like, way of thinking. You find out, and you you listen. I I, I listen to a lot of you know. I like to listen to commentaries or like behind the scenes stuff. And when you find mm-hmm. out like when they send things off to get ratings, yeah. Like what is offensive? Yeah. And what gets has to get cut and it's like who in the world is offended by this that or the and it's like it seems yeah. so like arbitrary. Well, especially now. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, when you look at movies that got, I think, what is it, Midnight Cowboy, that got an X rating, right? X, yeah. I mean, and then you watch that movie, and I can't figure out where the X comes from. I think it was just more of the topic. I think you're right, but I mean, you know. I mean, but yeah, you're right. It's it just it's it's hit. It's so weird. Yeah. It's, and plus, it it changes over time. Yeah, like like, like Midnight Cowboy now would probably get like a PG thirteen rating. No, I think there's yeah. I think there's some full frontal male nudity in that movie, so probably. Still... Oh well, then that yeah, then definitely would do an R. Yeah, it definitely would get R, but it certainly doesn't deserve an X. There's nothing very graphic. I mean, it's yeah. just it's very it's very arbitrary. All these just rating system. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've seen some PG thirteen movies where I'm like, whoa, man, this should this is not PG thirteen. This is, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. 
Uh, well, there's a deleted scene that took place after Willow met Finn Rizal as the muskrat on the island. They left back on the boat where a massive storm takes place courtesy of Babmorda's magic. Eventually, Willow is pulled underwater and attacked by a fish-slash-shark creature. Uh, a piece of the scene is shown in the Making of Willow documentary available on the DVD. Willow's hair is also no- notably wet when they're back on land. Hmm. Yep. That's interesting. The UK version edit- edits the second sword thrust into General Kale. Yeah, that's that's the one I was talking about. That's when you are talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Yeah. So, yeah, he steps on the sword and drives it through him. Like, he kind of falls onto it, like, through yep. his gut. It only shows Mad Mardigan step on the sword, then cuts to Kale falling. A scene during the battle between Bavmorda and Finn Rizal was deleted, which actually showed where the scratches on Finn's face came from. Yeah, I wondered about that. Hmm. I just figured she got him in the fight. but Yeah, and she got rocks falling on her and whatnot. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, also, during the fight at the castle towards the end, Willow zaps the troll with his wand, and two creatures emerge from its skin. In the UK version of the film... The bit where the creatures quickly rip the skin off the troll is missing. As you previously mentioned. It's gross. They got edited out. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? 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 Why did I listen to you, Peck? Everything will be all right once we get to Tira's lean. The only army around here is the one that's about to ride across this valley and wipe us out. But Cherylindria said we'd be safe here. Safe? Look at these people. This place is cursed, Peck. It's falling apart. Open your eyes. And it... <laughs> trolls. I hate trolls. This is the work of bad All right, so that was a lot of really cool information, but now we're going to be discussing our thoughts on the movie. So mm. you want to start us off, Chris? So, um, <laughs> my thoughts. Let's see. Let's let's start. Let's start with special effects, since that was very prominent in this movie. Um, that's. I think that where this film will suffer with a modern audience who hasn't seen it before is definitely the effects. While they are very ambitious, mm-hmm. um, a lot of stuff in broad daylight <laughs> you know when you yeah. like we're talking about with the brownies you yes. know and it's very ambitious i mean really like we've seen scenes like that in gulliver's travels right where you have little people but it's always mm-hmm. it's never extensive you know there's always like you know there's a trick to it where you have little people and then like a, a back screen of like a big guy walking by or something mm-hmm. so this is very these the brownies are very interactive lots of interaction lots of interaction yeah, pot- very... and i mean some of it's very clever you know putting them into a a beer mug or whatever yeah. you know i mean or there's there's a lot of fun stuff or... but unfortunately yeah. you know there's a lot of you know just a lot of dodginess with you can see the the, the mat or the um <clears throat> just unusual movement transparencies and um, but you know, but but it doesn't take away, it doesn't take away anything, at least to me, of the movie. No, no. Honestly, as a kid, you know, I wasn't a kid. I was eighteen when I saw this. But I mean, I just remember being astonished by all the special effects. Yeah, and, and I, again, we're jaded nowadays. Yes. I mean, I I mean, I'm not gonna. I listen. This effects don't ever. I love Jaws. My favorite movie of all time is Jaws. 
Okay, yeah. that is not a real shark. It doesn't look like a real shark. <laughs> okay, that doesn't mean I don't love the movie. I love the movie because of of the characters, and I love the movie because it, I just love I just love the movie. Yeah. So the effects. I mean, I, I just tell you, I'm actually going to go see it in the theater. Uh, it's going to be playing uh, for the. 40th anniversary. God almighty, that movie is as old as me. Ah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe it. And it's my, and uh, so effects don't matter, as long as it's an entertaining movie. But sometimes you kind of do get taken out when you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit not great. But I mean, yeah, the effects, but like the dragon, uh, yeah. Siskel and Ebert Man dragon, whatever it's called, I forget, <laughs> Ebert Sisk or whatever. Um, yeah. That's cool. I think it's stop motion. It looked really, uh, yeah, that was good. I even liked the transformation uh, from the troll to the two-headed thing. It's gross. Where it pulled the skin off. Ugh. That was all stop animation. Yeah. That, it was definitely gross, but it looked really good. Yeah, and I'm a huge Ray Harryhausen fan. Oh, yeah. So, like, to me, I'm like, oh, you know, and it's like, again, like the Ray Harryhausen movies, yeah, the effects, you go, that's clearly not a real skeleton, or it's clearly not like yeah. A, the real Kraken, <laughs> whatever, real yeah. Kraken. But I mean, it does because I think that the artistry behind it is impressive in its own, and I think that there is definitely a feel to those Ray Harryhausen movies. And the same thing with this. I, I think that that monster was, and, and it was done in a way that I think a stop motion monster hadn't been done before. I think that they mm-hmm. really sort of put it front and center where it was full interaction with. Um, the characters on well, screen. Yeah, I mean, you even have Val jumping on top of the head. Yeah, which I which mean, I should got a little dodgy looking. I'm sure there's um some you know practical parts to that where they built like a like a head or part of a head or something. Yeah, but yeah, definitely um that was impressive. Um, you know, we didn't have we had the, the CGI was morphing and that was it. And it was a basically a 15 second scene, right? Yeah. So. I mean, this was all practical, at least the way we did practical back then, which was, you know, motion control and blue screen and yeah, very, uh, that was cool. I mean, I, I was uh, very entertained by that scene and, and a lot of the, like the makeup and all that very, you know, very cool. Like those trolls are very creepy. I mean, oh, they were so well done. Yes. Even though, you know, it's a guy in a monkey suit. Yep. Okay. Again, it, it still works, uh, for this movie. I mean, we, you know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not anatomically, you know, well, yeah. pleasing. You know, you can kind of just tell it's a guy crawling around. But yeah. very, but I think the uh, performers in the, in the suits do a good job. And, um, yeah. you know, basically everything else is like, you know, throw, like you said, throwing the apple, turning it into a bird. I mean, you know, you can't really mess that up. Yeah. So, and, the, and then you got to see some cool prosthetics with like the pig transformation. and That was cool. Right. I mean, very, very well. I mean, yeah, some of it, like I said, the brownies, it's like. Kind... I, yeah. I would say the brownies are probably, I wouldn't say the worst because I, but they were probably the the most, um, they didn't age well. Right. That effect. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, they're fun. But, the characters are yeah. fun. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, the fairy scene was amazing. You know, with all the special effects they did there. Um, oh yeah. You know, all all of that stuff was really well done. Even and you know, like you, I think probably the magic, the big battle at the end, which is so awesome to watch two sorceresses go at each other. You know, with the fire and the ice and throwing each other around the rooms. And yeah, that was very cool. That was all so well done, and it held up really well. Yeah, I agree. I think that's and actually, when I was like reflecting, I was like, no, this is a pretty cool movie. I mean, you have like. 
the main bad guy is a is a is a, a lady, mm-hmm. and uh, the most powerful sorcerer sorcerer is a is a lady. Is a lady. So basically, and then the, you have a warrior who's her daughter is a lady. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, so I think this uh, was very was it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, and you're right that that battle with the at the end, you kind of feel like that. Uh, Bath Morda, you're like, wow, she's just you got a real menace from her. Like you really get the sense that like, really, you know, there's really nothing you can do to her. I mean, like she's just, no, she's evil. Yeah, she's just horrible person. So I mean, that you know, it was that was very cool. Like I hadn't watched that down and watched this movie. It's probably been she's ten years since oh, I just this is a, it's an annual thing for me. Uh, yeah, so it's, so it's been a while. Yeah, I knew I owned it because I bought it. You know, back she's back before. Now that I'm doing with Blu-ray. But back when they were like, when things were like on DVD for the first time. Yeah. So I yeah. had to buy it, even though I probably had it on VHS somewhere. I mean, I'm a collector. It's just, it's a Oh, sickness. I have it on VHS. I have it on DVD and I have it on Blu-ray. I think Willow was one of those clamshell box movies. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, I used to run a video store. So. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a while since I sat down and actually watched it. Um so yeah, I mean the, the the effects are the effects are of the time. I mean you know we're in that when this movie came out, you know you're there 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 was a special effects revolution coming in four years with T two yes. and Jurassic Park. I mean those movies two movies changed special effects forever. Yeah, you know, and then every yeah. movie wanted to have those kind of effects. So then the things like we see in Willow, you know, they went by the wayside, and it was more about how to make things bigger and crazier. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely of the, you know, and because I'm a child of the eighties and that is, that's when I grew up. Um, I have a place in my heart for these kind of effects. And even though, you know, nowadays, like I said, we're all savvy because we've all sat down and watched 30 <laughs> hours of behind the scenes on Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. We yeah. know how the soup is made, but like, you know, it's still kind of charming. I think when you, when you know that, Especially knowing that it's like ILM and, you know. These are like, yeah, these are like really early stages of all the, you know, all these companies and yeah. doing this, all these types of special effects. I mean, because, you know, you had, you know, Return of the Jedi, which was four years prior to this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just a continuation of those type of effects. Yeah, and know? I mean, it, again, the limitations of them is well known. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a few weird, I mean, Edits the thing. I think the thing in this movie that really gets me is kind of the, some of the weird edits, where mm-hmm. like you see like something where the scene sort of jumps. You know, like uh, for example, when um, the army marches by the crossroads and Willow's like, "Someone take this baby," mm-hmm. and then Eric is like, "Ha ha, stay in your cage, you dummy." And then all of a sudden you, it cuts and like the army's gone and there's just like a cloud of smoke. <laughs> like what the, you know? But um, they're moving really quick. Yeah, double time. Yeah, it, there's a couple of weird like kind of jumps and editing. yeah. But I mean, I think you know another thing. I think Ron Howard probably this is very it was an ambitious film for him. Even though Cocoon had some effects, I think there's really only one. There's only a couple scenes in Cocoon. I think you talked the boat getting lifted at the end and like maybe mm-hmm. the creature that was the alien when it came out of the cocoon which would i believe was a practical puppet it was and there's a couple of flying naked aliens but i mean it wasn't like a big heavy heavy effects movie yeah. i think this was probably something new for him yeah um so i mean it's pretty it's definitely for the time i think it's ambitious like i said with all the stuff in broad daylight and being a fantasy movie um as well and in the 80s you know fantasy movies were not Far and few between. We're not as ubiquitous. Uh, yeah. 
uh, it's definitely, I mean, if we're going to move into a little bit of the story, I think that what I, what, what I note the most, and I think I'm sure what a modern viewer would note the most, especially uh, a kid, say, like a 16-year-old sat mm-hmm. down to punk, you know, sits down to watch the movie. <laughs> Be like, oh, this is totally Lord of the Rings, man. Look at these are hobbits. Oh, yeah. And and yep. and then we know that George Lucas loves Lord of the Rings, or at least has read it because he's certainly yeah. he's put a lot of that into his book, into his Star Wars with wizards, Jedi. You know, Obi Wan is a very you know besides being an old samurai, he's also clearly a Gandalf sort of. Yeah. And Lucas yeah. could be a, Luke could be a Frodo. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, parallels. I mean, so it's clearly. I think there's no doubt that there's a little bit of Lord of the Rings influence, but I mean, in, oh, I'm sure. In the end, I mean, every fantasy is is gonna, a little bit of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, even Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, right? I mean, a lot of the creatures that Dungeons and Dragons talks about are are basically came from Tolkien. Yeah, I mean, Tolkien, yep. you know, created he modern fan. He created modern fantasy, and I yep. think it's really hard for anyone to get away from it. Some authors, uh, Terry Brooks, have ripped him straight off. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's always going to be that Tolkien Lord of the Rings influence, and it's. I think what happened, what that ends up being, is a very, it's a very, like, it's a place where you kind of know where you're at. It's like, oh, these are like hobbits, and they're kind of probably a very simple kind of people, or whatever. Yeah, but you know, I think that it's still a, it's a, it's definitely a fun fantasy story. I mean, I, I enjoy. I mean, I enjoyed the story itself. I thought it was interesting. Um yeah, it's not super complicated, as we mentioned previously. They don't delve too far into the backgrounds of these people, but I think you get enough to understand. I mean, Val Kilmer's character, Mad Mardigan, you know, he's this douchebag at the very beginning, <laughs> you know, and you know he's a womanizer, and you know that's probably his why up. He's why he's up in that cage, uh, you know, and there's this one scene where, you know, he he meets back up with Willow, as we mentioned in the in the synopsis. And he helps him escape, and he's laying in these tall grass, and he's looking at Laura Dannon, and you know, and as Chris says, she just has some of the most, you know, expressive eyes and face that a, a little kid can have, a little girl. Yes. And she just looks at him, and you know, you see his heart melt. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, he finds out where they're going. And he gets all upset, and you know, he's all he's play acting like, "Oh man, you're going the same way I am," and okay, I'll go with you, you know. Uh, but you see, you see the softer side of him, and you realize he's not a bad guy. Right. He's actually a good guy. And then when he get, you know, when they get to the castle, and it's, uh, uh, you know, everyone's frozen, uh, and he's all upset that they're not going to be safe. But then he sees all the weapons, and he takes charge and puts on the suit of armor, and you know, mans the the all of the crossbows, and that is he a... really ste- he steps up and becomes the hero. That's a very cool scene where he's. Kicking all his traps and you know, yeah. he's like double shooting crossbows and yeah, yeah, and he gets he he sees the armor and he gets all excited like uh, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. So I mean, that's what I liked about that character is that we do get enough of his character to understand where he started in this movie and what he becomes at the end of this movie. You know, he has a really wide um, growth in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Willow. I don't know if he really grows as much. You know, in the beginning, he's a a very simple very kind farmer who wants to be a magician or wants to be a sorcerer, you know, a sorcerer. And at the end, he's, I think, wiser. He's confident because that's what uh, uh, Billy Vardy's character, the, the the lead sorcerer in their village, says he lacks confidence. 
he actually, he has you know he gains that at the end of the movie but that's about it he's pretty much still the same nice hardworking simple guy yeah i mean he doesn't have an his arc is basically get the girl to safety and get home yes yeah and i guess along the way if he learns to do some magic that's great that's good too yeah but yeah, yeah. you're right i think val kilmer like you said he's a douche he's in that cage and he's like hey peck peck oh my god when they kept saying peck 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 it drove me i was like oh he's just a bully he's a jerk They're bullying him <laughs> I mean, and he calls him peck throughout the movie you know un- until he kind of softens a bit and starts calling him willow yeah i mean um yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like, you know, Val Kilmer and anything, but I mean, you know, really. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's, he's true. his character is fun. And, and I think that even, uh, you know, his girlfriend there, Sorsha, you know, she just goes from like her, her, <laughs> like I said, without the, we talked about the deleted scene. Without that, it's kind of like she goes from being like a battle axe to like, yeah. I'm in love with this handsome man. And <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is, you know, because Mad Mardigan is under a love spell. You know, because the brownies uh, hit him over the face with their satchel of fairy dust, which makes him fall in love. So when he sees her, he's instantly in love with her, but she's not hit with anything. So her is more natural. But, you know, but once he's once he's out of the spell, he still loves her. Or he's still, you know, in love with her. It's like love at first sight for those two. Mm. You know? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I mean, this is a great, fun movie. I mean, it's hard to, um. To knock it. I mean, it, it, you can knock it for, like I said, you can knock it for being Lord of the Rings oh, well, yeah, rip off. Because let's face it, you have a little person who has to get a thing somewhere, right? I that's mean, true. You know, and the thing yeah. in this movie happens to be a baby. And then, you know, there's an evil person. But, I mean, this, is, again, it's fantasy. It's it's There's some things that are just part of the genre. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I um, Let's see. A lot of the, in the set design in this is very very good i I love Mm -hmm. i love any time that you have fantasy stuff around snow i'm a big i grew up with snow and like we used to play swords in the snow so it always reminds me it's hard to shoot in snow i must why they try to avoid it because it's so white all right it blows off all the colors on the camera oh see that's cool to have a a, a honest to goodness guy who who (laughs) works in the business he'll tell you crap like that where i'm just like i want to see snow so yeah that's why you don't see a lot of snow because it is very difficult to work in but they do, you know. You can it can be done. It's just a matter of lighting it differently. Hmm. But yeah, they, that was a really good scene. I like that whole scene where he meets back up with Eric, and uh, you know, you know, they're going down the sled or on the shield. It's even a... though when it goes off that edge, you're like, oh, I can see blades. And it's a huge. It. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you could have CG'd it or did something to, you know. I and then what's funny is I noticed also. This is, and these are nitpicky things, but just things that I noticed watching it this time around. And I have never seen this. And I've seen this movie, like I said, every year since 88 probably. Hmm. Or close to every year. So it's been many years. I've seen it many times. But when Finn Rizal is in her, what, what they're calling a muskrat, the rodent stage. Right. And she, they're captured and are on top in, you know, in, the, in the snowy mountain area. And the muskrat is crawling through and asking Willow to change her again. Which this is where he turns her into a crow, but when she's going through the cage bar, you can see uh, the handler pushing that muskrat through. Ah! Just for a split second, you can see the hand pulling away as the muskrat's crawling through the bars. <laughs> I did see some strings here and there as well. Yeah, we're not strings, but you know what I mean, like the wires that. Oh. Yeah, I saw some of that because it kind of shows through some of the effects. You can kind of see it. 
Um, yeah, and especially if you're watching a more HD version. Then. Right. Because I, I watch my DVD because it's easier to just pop in the DVD instead of the Blu-ray player. But Right. Uh, yeah, high quality. It's it's not really good. I'm, same thing with the Lord of the Rings. I saw the Lord of the Rings movies in HD at the theater. And I'm like, oh, look, it's the little people stand-ins wearing Frodo, ma- you know, uh, Elijah Wood mask. Yeah, right? I know that, that, that. And you can actually see it now because in the HD quality, they didn't shoot it that way where they didn't think it would be high enough to see. You're right because, yeah, in the Blu-ray, like that sort of stuff sticks out way more. Yeah. Um, you know, HD doesn't do, you know, special effects movies from days past any favors. Um, you know, there's always like you pop in an old movie. Like I, I think I popped in 2010, which uh, is one of my favorite movies. And it's like I, I bought the Blu-ray. It was very cheap. It was like, I don't know five bucks or something and i yeah and you know the mat lines around the ships are so clear and it's like oh man i mean like back in vhs days it's like a lot of that was hidden you know because the clock you don't see it and, yeah. you know you, you had the, t- the you know quality you know crt tvs you know they only had so many pixels and yeah or whatever they weren't even pixels i don't even know what they I, i'm not a tv somebody will tell me how wrong i am but i know tvs nowadays <laughs> are on pixels right that's what yeah. 1080p is, right? Yes. So, and I guess well, we have... P, P stands for progressive. Progress. Okay. See, I don't know this stuff. But I know and that there's I 4K. And I watched. But, yeah. I saw a 4K TV, and that looks crazy. But then all I'm thinking is, I don't want to see, like, people in 4K. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, I think a lot of... Act- You're going to see every single line in their face. Every pore, it, every blemish. Yep. I mean, like... I think where you'll see the caked on makeup. Right, that's the other thing. Like I, I, I was watching something and it was like in HD, and I was yeah. like, "Whoa, this actor does not probably is unhappy with this <laughs> HD thing." I mean, I mean, I, 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 I think what it does though is like two things. One thing, it does make people look bad, but I think the other thing is, oh, you go, well, maybe these actors are really human after all. <laughs> I mean, they do have, <laughs> you know, blemishes here and there and a wrinkle here and there, and they don't all look perfect. Because, you know, back in the old days, you just you put makeup on them and you put a really bright light, and then everybody yep. looks great, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, an HD does not. And I, I heard people complaining about the, um, the what, the high frame rate. High, high frame rate. Yeah. Where you could tell that the dwarves just had these big noses stuck on, you know, because like, yeah. you know, kind of shows the makeup very easily, right? Which yeah. I never saw the Hobbit in that. I just saw it in regular old film or whatever yes. it is. Regular, so. regular, yeah. Which, uh, so I don't know, but I mean, I, I understand that HD just does not do older things. Or I think that we can, can't film just be film. <laughs> yeah, you know, they always have to advance it. So, eh, whatever. Uh, but, but I think I think for the most part, I you know I'd say maybe sixty percent of the effects still look amazing in Willow. I agree. But the ones that look bad look bad. Yeah, I mean that's the you thing. Know. And for me, I think it's basically just the brownie stuff. Yeah, but I mean again, there's some clever stuff done with them still. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, like I said, putting them in the pocket and you yeah. know, like, and it's not so much the eyeline stuff either, because they were doing good with the eyeline. It was just the actual effect itself. Yeah, it's just kind of like very cut out looking. You know, like you yes. can tell it just is not part of the same scene. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah. and there's a couple of scenes that clearly they shot with them on the soundstage, like with big grass or something, where they you could see it's not matted in that they're just on their own. Oh yeah, where they're walking in sand and they're not making any footprints, <laughs> you know. But it's I mean, but that's nitpicking. I normally I can you know look past all that as long as I enjoy the story and the actors are fun and the characters are fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm very kind of now wanting to read the books again and i have them so it shouldn't be difficult um yeah you gotta let me know because i i like i said i've been on i think i actually i got the books because i had to like go on ebay and find them because they're no longer in print so i have all three books i need to actually read the first one yeah i think if i if i remember correctly like laura dannon is like i think 18 or older and she's kind of a bitch yeah she's the queen now i think she's kind of like a bitch or something i don't know i think <laughs> saying she's if i, I might be wrong on that i might be 100 percent wrong. i think you're right i think there's something She's not quite. She's like kind of gr- like grown it to what she should be. Yeah. So I, I have not read them. I've read the description, and they have very cool covers. <laughs> they do <laughs> with like yes. a knight, and you know the, the art is very nice. Um, but they're very well regarded um, from what from what I've under from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it would be interesting if this was to be sort of re re examined by modernized you know i mean updated you know i mean we've certainly seen enough projects at this point uh that have taken old old uh, properties and redone them i'm not sure if this is something that anybody would do but yeah i mean i think again i think the similarities lord of the rings and all that might kind of play against it unless they really were like you know willow hardcore mimic (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean I, i don't know it's it's such a classic movie leave it be It'd be yeah, it'd be hard for me to see a revamped of it. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, there's just something like Time Bandits and oh, Time the Last Bandits. Starfighter and Kroll and no, I do. I just, have I heard know. rumblings that they're remaking Last Starfighter? Yeah, yes, they are planning on it. And it's certainly and same with same with the sequel. Okay, but I I think that I'm okay with Last Starfighter because. It would be amazing now. Yeah, not only that, it would be now. it would be amazing. But I think the last Starfighter sort of lends itself to being now, especially with the, how much video games is a part of life. And mm-hmm. you could, you know, I mean, I think it would be a very they could, they could probably come up with a very cool take on it. But the last Starfighter is just a classic. Yeah, um, one of my favorites. Uh, even when my, but you know, I watched it with my son, who's about eight. And I popped it in. I was in the mood for some. I, I think I was having a particularly bad week, and there's nothing like a good old fashioned '80s sci-fi movie oh, to yes to make you happy. Just to you know get some, Take and that back. really is a feel-good movie. The Last Starfighter, uh, is, it's just a very positive, like mm-hmm. great movie, you know. And we were watching it, and it's it's very it's so fun. I mean, and it's and and lighthearted a little bit, and yeah. Um, my son though. <laughs> He's, you know, he was born in, let's face, 2007. So he's watching and he goes, is this, is this a video game? <laughs> because, you know, the effects were very early CGI, you know. Oh, yeah. Those, now those effects are rough. Yes. Very rough. So, I mean, I think that that sort of begs to be updated, even though I still, again, when you love the movie, you sort of accept it warts and all. And I love The Last Starfighter. Yes. But I think I, I, I. I'm not against the remake. I'm against the Big Trouble in Little China remake. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, how do you top Kurt Russell? You can't. You can't. Not even The Rock can top Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, you know, remake aside. No remakes for Willow, but yes. it's definitely yes. – if you have not watched it, and I mean, I guess we just 
spoiled it for you. Um, yes. Well, well, hopefully, like I said at the beginning, if you hadn't watched it, hopefully you watched it before listening to the podcast. Exactly. But if you haven't, I think you'll be. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's a definitely a fun way to spend a couple of hours. And if you, yep. and if, especially if you're like a fantasy kind of geek, well, if you are, you've probably yep. seen it. But if you if you haven't, then you probably will uh, will really like it. It's um, good, uh, and you just got to remember for the time that it was made. Yeah, and also I think that. There's just a couple of great scenes. I mean, you know, when, you know, when, when men, when you see how great Mad Mardigan really is with his sword and he's mm-hmm. killing, you know, and then like Willow, it's just a very funny scene. He does all this great sword stuff and he flips the sword around and Willow's like, oh, you are great. And then of course he falls down and he's butt. Yeah. You know, like, yep. it's just, yep. it's very great. It's, it's yeah. fu- funny stuff. Good movie. There's a lot, like, yeah, there's a lot of good scenes in this movie. Lots of good story. Um, you know, it's just it's a, like it's just for me. It's just a fun, entertaining movie, which is it doesn't feel like two hours. I don't think I ever sit there and think, "Oh my god, will the next scene just start, please?" <laughs> you know, I've I've never felt that with this movie, and uh, I love the world that they created. I love the characters. I love that you know we have Nell wins and Dakini. It's, the, it's words that we've never heard before. Yeah, you know, to describe all these characters and these uh, race of people. Yeah. No, the, the, brownies and fairies and now brownies so... exist, of course. I... Well, no, no, brownies and fairies, yes. Yeah. But just the whole the world that they created—that's my favorite part—is stepping into this fantasy world that feels familiar because it is. Yes, but it's also different. Than... And you're one of the biggest uh, fantasy fans, I think. I know. Of. Oh, I am. Yes, I mean, except for my I wife, put, I put fantasy over science fiction. Yeah, I mean, my wife is a huge. She, she, you know, she's on. I think her like fifth reread of Game of Thrones, right? Oh wow, now. that's not like high fantasy. Game of Thrones is too political for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm my fantasy now. I'm an old school guy. I love um, like sword and sorcery, like mm-hmm. Michael Moorcock, and uh, a little bit more of the like Conan stuff. I'm into that very. I mean, when I was a little kid, I loved. Conan stories. I love, yeah. like, you know, I'm more, I'm, I love the sorcery part. I love, like, kind of weird worlds. I mean, and I love, I read Lord of the Rings like everybody else has, yeah. and I read that as a very, at a very young age, and it's sort of huge influence on me, but sci fi uh, is also a huge part of me. I think that if I had, I couldn't really choose because it's hard. It's hard. I, I say fantasy is probably, I more enjoy fantasy more, but I would. I mean, Star, Star Star Wars has made me the geek that I am. Of course, I watched it when I was six years old. But is that fan? Is that sci-fi? I say no. Ah, uh, see, I think it's sci-fi more sci-fi than fantasy. It's sci-fantasy. <laughs> there you go. Yes, it's a perfect combination. Yeah. Um, no, I because it has spaceships and laser guns. I consider it more sci-fi. I know technically it's not. It's a fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. But. I, in my head, it was science fiction. Right. And, and I, it, it, it made me fall in love with Star Trek and, you know. Yeah, it's the same things. for me. Star Wars came first because, let's face it, I mean, it was the first movie I ever saw. Yeah. In the theater. I, not in the theater even. I saw it in the back of my mom's Cordoba in a, in a drive-in. <laughs> yep. It was a double feature with Grease. I'll never forget it. And I was very young. I was probably not, I was probably four or not even. Yeah. But I never, I'll never forget that night. And I mean, that, if, if it's like, and, and, you know, people probably, I think there's probably people who maybe like my parents 
Nah, my parents love Star Wars too. I mean, I think. Oh, it, my parents love it. That's the reason why I saw Star Wars sixteen times in the theater because my dad took me there right. every single time. But I mean, people, if you how you wonder, like the our age group. I mean, I'm going to group myself, even though you're older than me, like much older. But, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, but I mean, like <laughs> we were like touched by something that like no, first of all, nobody had ever seen anything like it before, yep. right? And for nope. us, it was like. The thing you were eight, which is probably the perfect Star Wars age. I was six, six when sorry, Star Wars, rather. six to seven, six yeah. to seven. So I mean, yeah. But no, you're right. I was the perfect right. Star Wars. So age. like, which I am so happy that I get to take my my son, who will be eight, yeah, to see that's my the new yep. Star Wars, and he's and he's been asking me like he first he was Jurassic World, like when is that coming out? When is it coming yeah. out? And I told him a year. It's coming out. Oh, a year? What? You know? <laughs> and you now he was he he wants to see Jurassic World again. I th- I think right now that's his favorite movie of all time i think i never you know it really is fun i think that um seeing movies through little kids eyes kind of we've become very jaded with entertain we have so much entertainment at our fingertips nowadays right especially science fiction and fantasy so for us we're like yep dinosaurs seeing it yep yep Yep, but i mean when i'm looking at my kid and we're in the theater and he's jumping and cheering for the t-rex and i'm like oh okay so i mean it's still (laughs) these kids still they can still be – there's still some wonder. And I think and, oh, yeah. and Star Wars is – I'm just – I can't wait. Because every time – because, like, I played the trailer for somebody who actually hadn't seen it yet, which is just a joy because you're like – they. I, my wife's aunt didn't even know there was a new Star Wars coming out. <laughs> and I showed her the trailer and she just was like, whoa. And then my son comes running out and it's like he just can't wait. I mean because yeah. I think we're all just ex- – to see Han, Luke, Leia again, it's just going to be too much. It might be too much for me. It might be too much for me. It might be. I think that there is a quite. I think that I will be having some uh, glassy eyes that night. I oh, think. I I can almost guarantee I will. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Han Solo is like. It's going to be an experience. There's nobody I've ever wanted to be more in my life since I'm a little kid than Han Solo. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. And listen, I know we're talking about Will, but hey, same universe, same George Lucas guy, right? I mean, unless <laughs> that's right. So let's face. I mean, George Lucas gets a lot of S word. Let's say. Um, I think mostly for the prequels because a lot of people find the prequels less than. You know what? But your kids love them. Yes, and they do. My nephew and niece adore those movies. Right. Even my older sons who are 17, almost 18 and 16. Mm-hmm. Now, they grew up with the prequels in the theater. And to them, now, that's their Star Wars, right? Yep. Yep. And even though we had, I've had every version of Star Wars and every format, Laserdisc even. <laughs> um, yep. Still... You know, for them, that's what was new, and that's what was. And I remember when I took my kids to see Attack of the Clones, which, you know, at the end of the movie, when like all those Jedi's like lit up their lightsabers, my uh, son, who was, let's see, he was probably about five at the time, he lost his full mind. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> so I think that we, uh, again, us jaded uh, gener- generation Xers, uh, we are like, oh, Lucas, you raped my childhood. No, Lucas, oh, Lucas gave Lucas gave you your childhood. Yes. So yep. shut up. Yep. All right. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. The prequels, they were never going to be Star Wars like Star Wars was to us. Because guess what? I was 25 when the prequels came yeah. out. Right. It just wasn't going to be the same thing. Yeah. It just wasn't going to be. It only happens once. It only really, Star Wars. And and that's the thing. It just sticks with you, right? It just yeah. it's just like one of those things you see it as a kid and it just it becomes a it becomes something that you just can't get rid of. Like it's I don't know your life. why yeah. I still am 
collecting Star Wars figures, right? It's like I'm 40, and like I do a podcast where we just talk about Star Wars books. I'm 40. <laughs> I can't yep. get rid of it. It's like it's just I think that we have those few years where just we get in, that imprinted on, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's that's where and if you're and if you're a kid that loved Star Wars, I think you just don't have a choice to to sort of be into this sort of stuff like fantasy and yeah. sci-fi Star like again Star Wars brought me to Star Trek which is really the great love of of my yeah. of my life as far as any kind of franchise goes nothing nothing makes me feel home more than um, Star Trek does but yeah yeah Star Wars got but, us all there yeah yeah what's funny is I didn't even realize it but actually George Lucas made me a lover of science fiction and fantasy there you go. Because he, you know, because Willow is probably one of my all-time favorite. It is one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies, and he wrote it and produced it, and then Star Wars, which made me a geek to begin with. So there you go. I my mean, whole life is revolved around Lucas. <laughs> I was thankful for Lucas, and he's like done with it. He sold it. <laughs> yep. He's, yep. You know, and I remember uh, reading an interview with him where he was like talking about. You know what's the point of, do, of doing Star Wars for me? People just yell at me on the internet, and he, and it was it was it's kind true. of a very honest interview. And I was like, you know, he's you know, I guess I see his point. It's like he just wants to make a, a story. He wants to tell a story. That's sort of yes. he. I mean, and you can fault him. His dialogue, yes, is not the best. And I know that that's not his strong suit. We 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 you're right. It's not he's a storyteller. He's a storyteller, and I think that. Yep. He's great. He creates a world. He's a world creator. I yes. mean, and and the, the Star Wars universe is something like never has never been created and never will yep. be created. It's just it's its own. It's it's the greatest, basically the greatest genre universe ever created. And um, and it was kind of it's kind of cool to see that he kind of dipped his toe into the fantasy realm. I think he probably would have liked Willow to be more of a success. I probably he probably well, of course there there probably would have been sequels yeah. and you know. Because I think he was probably desperate to kind of, or not desperate. I think he was wanting to get away from Star Wars and do something, that, do something different. It wasn't and Star Wars, and this was it. And he did. This is what he did. So, yeah. and Ron Howard was there to help. Yep. <laughs> Let's yep. not discount. Because of course he's a great director, and he's done. Yeah. He's done very. He's done some of my favorite movies. Uh, were Ron Howard movies. Apollo thirteen is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What do you do? Uh, he did those. Um, what do you call it? Tom Hanks movies where he's the dude. Um, <laughs> Tom Hanks movies. You know, where he's oh, the, the, dude. the Da Vinci Code and Angels in the Air. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, Tom, <laughs> you know that movie where Tom Hanks plays a guy with uh, Tom Hanks' face and Tom Hanks' hair? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think we've but, we've uh, covered about everything. I think we did really good. Yeah. I mean, overall, it's 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 a uh, for me, it's a great fantasy. It's one that I will always enjoy watching. And hopefully, um, you know, a new generation could be shown Willow and enjoy it. You know, maybe not like how we enjoy it, but can definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you will be humming the theme uh, for the rest of the time you have to watch it. <laughs> I was doing it last night going to bed. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway. I like, yeah, I like that theme. Yes. But, uh, it's great. Very cool. All right. So where can people find Chris on the Internet? Well, <sighs> And you have a okay. podcast. I do have a podcast that I do uh, biweekly called the Star Wars Stacks with my co-hosts uh, Jen Rhodes, who you know from Anomaly Podcast, Anomaly Podcast, and yep. uh, Joe Mastriani, who you would know from the Upper Memory Block. Um, yep. Great co-host. I love. We've become great friends, and we've been doing it for about a year and a half. I don't know exactly how long. 
but we're on 22 episodes at this point. We've had some some gaps, but mm-hmm. basically what we do is we cover Star Wars novels, books, and we've had a great run of new stories, new books that have come out that are canon now. Nice. Uh, that they've redid the, you know, they've kind of said now that everything that comes out is canon. So for us, we had great timing. We just sort of decided to do this because we love the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. And we had done a podcast for this Trex and Sci-Fi show covering the book Kenobi. And mm-hmm. we, we had such a great time doing that, we decided to to sort of join up. And we've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, so you can find me at swstacks.com or on Facebook. Just look for Star Wars Stacks. Uh, or uh, get the podcast. Subscribe to it. It's uh, Just look for Star Wars Stacks. And I don't tweet, so... I won't bother giving you <laughs> my co-hosts do make fun of me. They say I only tweet when I'm going to record. And I I don't really use it because I don't really know how really I'm, I kind of can't figure out Twitter. Like yeah. it seems like there's a lot going on there. When every time I look at my feed, I'm like, Whoa, I don't know <laughs> what to make of this. So I don't really use it, but I'm, I mean, you know, you can find me uh, just listening to that podcast. And I did a podcast with an, our friend Rick Moyer called the Ragtag Fugitive podcast where we talked about the old Battlestar Galactica, which you could find somewhere. Um, and we kind of did commentaries on the episodes. And that was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. And I do yeah. I, every one now and then I'll show up on this one. But I, yeah, that's where you could find me. Star Wars sure. Dex. Very cool. Yes, I'm also a podcaster. Uh, I do uh, a MASH podcast, uh, the classic TV comedy MASH. Uh, you can do go to uh, MASH podcast, MASH4077podcast.com. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I say it so often that I'm losing track of what it is. Uh, or at MASH4077podcast uh, on Twitter. You can find me at GeekyFanboy. I'm GeekyFanboy pretty much every single social media <laughs> network. Uh, and I do tweet and Facebook and all that stuff. I'm very active on social media. I know how it works. Yeah, see, he's good at it. I see him all. <laughs> he's busy with showing. He's He'll tell you what he's, he's – oh, by the way, I mean, I'm going to commend Kenny. Kenny has – he has been uh, in the fitness hardcore, and he has uh, dropped a bunch of weight. He's getting into shape. He's getting muscles. Uh, yes. It's fantastic. I saw him at the gym. He's <laughs> lifting weights. He's over there. He's looking very strong. It's great. It's fantastic. I love it. It's great. Yeah, but I mean, it's really impressive. That's I, a really good Arnold. It's not bad. <laughs> it's better when I've had more than one beer that I've had tonight. Um, but he, uh, you got to really be impressed. I'm really pleased that I think, that especially people our age, I think that when you were kind of realizing that we need to get in shape. Yeah, it's a lot harder, too. It is, especially with as many great video games. <laughs> Yeah, I all see. the good TV. Yeah, every, yeah, yeah. there's so many distractions. I know that I've got the new Batman game coming uh, from Amazon next week, so I know that my butt is going to be like <laughs> imprinted with my recliner. So, yeah. yeah, that's great, Kenny. I'm really impressed with that. Thank you. Way, thank you. Way to go. Um, I also I have I have about five podcasts uh, that I do. <laughs> Uh, MASH is the current one. I do also do Alienation with my brother. And if you remember the 90s TV series Alienation, um, you can go to alienationpodcast.com or follow us at Alienation Cast. What a great it's, show that was. Oh, ah, it's so much fun to talk about, too. Yeah. Um, if you are big on the internet and you know the Guild web series, I did their official podcast for years. It's called Knights of the Guild. So you can look that up on iTunes or go to Knights of the Guild. Uh, dot com and find it there. Yeah, you can uh, find I, my girlfriend Felicia Day on that show. There you go. That's right. <laughs> and um, I do Confessions of a Fanboy, which is kind of on hiatus at the moment. 
And I do My Gimpy Life, which is another uh, podcast for a web series that my friend Till Shear did. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm chugging out podcasts. I, I do occasional Treks and Sci-Fi. The most recent ones I've been doing are the Harry Potter series with Rico. Yes. So, we, we have our fourth one uh, planned that we just got to record it now. That's my favorite one. My favorite yep. movie is the fourth we're look, one. We're looking forward to Yeah. Talk. That's when the books really changed yeah i mean i was an early adopter of the harry potter books i was reading yeah. them people were like why are you reading a kid's book i'm like yeah because it's really good it's and so good that fourth yeah. book is like i remember um the, that was a huge release for books oh yeah because i remember it was standing, three years it was three years between the third and fourth book. i remember standing in line and there was like a bunch of people for a book and i'm like and there was a bunch of kids and i remember thinking this is really great it's really cool to see kids excited about a book and um, yeah that's a great boy that fourth book uh and movie but the, the yeah. book the book definitely was a, was where the, the series was like okay no more kid stuff now it's like yep. we're time it's time to start killing folks yeah but that's what yeah. that's a great movie the uh the contest everything it's just fantastic looking yeah. forward to that you guys have been doing a great job with the harry they're Potters. fun to do yeah we we enjoy doing them so we'll be we'll be doing the rest of them eventually we're hopefully going to finish out all of the books by the end of the year so that will be fun wonderful uh, but yeah i mean i'm all over the place with podcasting but uh Geeky at Geeky Fanboy. That's my Twitter. That's where I post everything. So just follow me there. Cool. Well, uh, I'm so glad we finally were able to do this. Chris and I have been trying to get a podcast together for years, years, <laughs> and it actually, it's probably always been Willow for years. I think that was one of the first ones we talked about doing. Yeah, you're right. I think we kind of were like, well, something fantasy. You were like, I'm like, yeah, how about Willow? You're like, yeah. Yeah, and then it was I like one of those Willow. things where we never did schedule, and then we kind of would message each other and say, "You yep. want to do it? You want to do still it?" You still interested? And we're like, "Yeah, we are." And then it would he get busy or I get busy, and then we actually were scheduled what a month ago, and, and then I, I had to cancel, <laughs> and we finally rescheduled, and now all I have to do is edit and uh, send it off to Rico. Awesome. So, thank you again for uh, talking Willow with me. It's an amazing movie. Yes. And uh, I guess we will talk to you at some point because I'm sure we'll be on another Trex and Sci-Fi in the future. Absolutely. All right. Everyone take care. Bye-bye.